Well, yeah, I said we could go into the music. So, are you ready? Um, let me polish off these fries because they're what are giving me substance to be able to do an hour-long podcast. That's fair. I want to be like because we're doing like small talk to be like, have you seen anything in theaters yet? Or like recently that you wouldn't talk about on the podcast? Is there something I saw recently in theaters? Yeah. Like, do you want to just tell me the movie? Yeah, just anything. I mean, I saw Candyman on Friday. Is that going to be your uh, thing of the week? No. No. Okay, how was it? Um, do you like the first Candyman? Never seen it. Okay, I would say if you want to be able to enjoy some of the insights of this movie, go see that one, but it will not inhibit you from seeing this one. Hmm. Um, I guess the I guess the best description I can give of it is. This movie, if it's if it gets what I think it's going to get, and let's be honest, it did very well this weekend. It had the highest gross of the weekend, twenty-two million. I mean, that's not huge by any standards, but in these days, it is. If it can, it will do for the Candyman genre what that Halloween movie did a couple of years ago for Halloween, where it's like you like the original, okay. Thirty years later, all those other bullshit sequels, don't worry about them. You want to know something funny? What's that? Excuse me. Let me let me get on the bed in a way so it doesn't make any noise anymore. Like a squeak-proof bed, Jesus. Um, I have never seen the first Candyman, uh-huh. but I have seen Candyman three. What's the colon to that one? I believe it's just called Candyman 3. I, I don't know if there's like a subtitle to it. Let's see. Candyman. Candyman Farewell to the Flesh. Candyman Day of the Dead. Maybe Day of the Dead. It's Day of the Dead. 1999. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, probably. This looks really terrible. But yeah, I would say see the first one. I mean, it, apparently it has some insights into it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's fine. Like, like it's got, like, I'll say this, the opening seven minutes, you can tell Jordan Peele had some hand in writing this somewhere. I, you know, I don't think he had any hand in writing it, but he might have helped. It says it's it says it says it says written by him and Nia DaCostas. and someone named Win Rosefield. Okay, yeah, all right, it's right there. He he wrote it. Like I said, there's like three sequences in it that remind me of like his stuff. Just you know, not as not done in that way that he can do it. I guess if that makes sense. I mean, dude, it has it has your guy in it. Who is my guy? Uh, Yahaya Abdul Mateen the second. Oh, yeah, but yes, 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 yes. I know. Yeah, about. he's yes. he's I've, really uh, good in it. Him. Like, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from anyone in it. Like, he's really good in it. Like, his his like journey through the movie is really solid. Like, that is the strongest thing I will say about it. Is he is really good. 
I that's mostly what I'm excited for is like the performances and to see like you know like where it goes. I'm I I do want to see it. I just don't know. Excuse me. I just like don't know. I just don't know. You know. I, I guess. You know? <laughs> All right, that's where we should go into the music. End of your movie. Now you want more. Now you want more. Maybe all your insides Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from Red Rock West, and, or, excuse me, welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the town of Red Rock, and man, do they tell you a lot of times that you're going into Red Rock, to a fine restaurant somewhere in, it's Portland, right? Portland, Oregon? Yes. Somewhere in Portland, Oregon. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. Uh, Wait, hold on, sorry. Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the town of Red Rock, and man alive, do they tell you several times you're going to that town, to a fine restaurant in Portland, Oregon. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. We're like three starts there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. That was that was a lot. Leave them all in. Double it. Let's go. Yeah. So that's what you'd all love me to do. Huh. Yeah, look into this first movie that uh, Nia DaCosta did. Little Woods. I meant to watch that because it looks good. Huh. It's a little interesting um, of a cast. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen a trailer for this. I definitely saw a trailer for it because it was oh, playing yeah. at the local art this. house film. I believe it is on Hulu. Interesting. Well, there you go. Oh, well, how are you, buddy? I am very tired. Um, yeah, same here. I, I have worked 40 hours and then also had two uh, classes and had to work my ass off to pass summer master class that I was taking. And so... If I seem a little tired, that's that's why. Um, I did. Uh, I am currently drinking a Coke, so hopefully <laughs> I'll be able to like get through this without um, making a total ass of myself. But yeah, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm sure. Should... I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're gonna be just fine. I I'm excited to talk about. Uh, the movies we're talking about, uh, I think they're both very interesting, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about them. Well, before we get to those, we should probably talk about the best thing you saw this week. What was what was your most captivating thing? I got I got a look. Uh, my, my most captivating thing I saw this week is uh, Tyler is once again going into the the European art house well that he digs into constantly. I saw a film from 70s new, was it New German cinema? Um, auteur, 
uh, Enfant Terrible, uh, uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender. Um, and I watched a movie called Fox and His Friends, which is about a lower class, uh, a working class uh, queer man who one day wins the lottery and essentially attempts to like wins the lottery gets a boyfriend pretty quickly after winning the lottery and attempts to jump social class um into like an upper middle class german white like white german family and uh suffice to say it does not go well um it's a, kind of like a typical fast fast vendor movie where he kind of takes like like a Douglas Sirkian style plot and kind of like tilts it like into these modern senses where it's a little bit more gritty, a little bit um, more realistic um, and kind of dealing with some more uh, like taboo issues. Um I think the film that you might most know him for, uh, possibly his most famous film, I think, is Fear Ali Eats the Soul, which is basically uh, not a one-to-one, but like is basically the plot of uh, this great Douglas Sirk film, All That Heavens Allows, but instead of being about like class and age disparity between the, the female and male counterparts, it's about like both excuse me it's about both class and race um and he kind of does the same thing here where it's kind of like a circian like melodrama um about two men who are in a relationship and then it kind of circles into these like the pitfalls of class and the class structures and like the strata and kind of like the embarrassment of someone who is upper class dating someone who is lower class and like the embarrassment of being like working class and like basically being told how to live your life all sorts of stuff it's very very good um a plus love fast vendor um and if you like if you've watched movies that i have have put on my most captivating that sound like this one they're a part of like the european uh, art house like favorites <laughs> like essential art house collection tm you'll probably really love this one all right well sounds like a sounds like a pretty tyler movie i'm sure mark would love it give us the name of it again fox and his friends and this has nothing to do with the fox who's also in socks, correct? Nothing to do with the fox in socks. Okay, this this sounds a lot more heavy. Um, that sounds interesting. I like the idea of the whole lottery concept. I like the idea of this kind of being like what sounds almost like kind of one of those like, I don't know, finding yourself in a kind of a new situation and like kind of how he's going to like work his way around that, I guess. Uh, yeah, like, well, finding himself just, like, an unfamiliar turf, essentially. Yeah, kind of fish like, out of water, I guess. Yeah, and going to these parties and, you know, having to talk to people who are annoying and rich. That's fair. People who are rich can be annoying. Some of them are good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your favorite Wong Kar Wai movie to say the title of? Oh, my favorite Wong Kar Wai movie to say the title of is uh, My Blueberry Nights. Yeah, that was the most captivating thing I watched this week. Um, nice. So, yeah. Um, it's it's cute. It's it's a real cute version, and it almost doesn't feel like he's doing it. It almost feels like someone's aping an, a Wong Kar Wai movie in America. But that's kind of maybe the charm of it, and it's uh, in its own way too. Um, Nora Jones is a good actress. People don't people don't know that. People people don't know this. But yeah, I mean, it was it was really it was really well done. Um, like it's not his best movie. It's I mean the problem is like it has to go up against everything else. So like it's probably gonna sit at number eight if I had to guess. I mean, that is the problem with um, having a filmography that is as good as uh, <laughs> as um, as Wong Kar Wai's is you yeah. just you bump into things or you're just like, you know, you know, this is probably not going to make anywhere near my top five. So it also doesn't help that like the first words you see are the Weinstein Company. Every movie that has that at the start, I just I'm, I immediately got the. <laughs> oh. I do I do I do the Simpsons like 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the um God. There's there's a Treehouse of Horror where they think it's over and then like they start coming back and Homer just goes oh. <laughs> I find out what that is. Um. Yeah, my blueberry nights. It's it's good. Like I think the Natalie Portman sequence is really really strong. I like the way he does it and kind of gets to like do a little road trip movie as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's got moments. Um, let's see, Jude Law is good in it. Um, it's it's got it's a very odd cast. Um, and you know I think I think I will say this to people: watch everything else of his in order. And then watch this, and I think it might give you the best way to appreciate this movie. You know, uh, yeah, probably. Um, I think I, someone uh, someone did say <laughs> that, like, and I, I want to know your opinion on this. It's a very funny take, that um, when you watch a Wong Kar Wai movie and you hear the dialogue in, like, Mandarin, um and uh cantonese you're like wow this is like really poetic and this is really beautiful but when you hear that same dialogue but like done by an american actor you're kind of like it's like all of the dialogue this shallow like it was has it always no, been like no, this or is it no, just no no i don't I is don't it just it the is. american one no i think it's because i think it doesn't have to do with that at all i think it's because do you know his style of filmmaking mm, yeah like he wakes up that day writes what they're gonna do and then yeah, like they just kind of yeah. go to it. I don't think American yeah, he, actors know how to do that. Like, and also you have to remember the people who are working with him in the Hong Kong movies have all worked with him multiple times. So I think yeah, as yeah. they go on now, granted, like there's also those rare instances where people who have never worked with him, like you watch Zhang Ziyi in 2046, that woman's legitimately amazing in that movie. And she has no concept of the style he's about to put her through. Um, I, I, and I also just think there's like a more like a willingness to kind of go along with what he's, um, 
kind of throwing out there in, mm-hmm. a, in a sense. Um, whereas I, I think, I don't know, maybe just American actors are just more stilted. I think, I don't think they know how to deliver his poetry because I don't think it, I don't think it is. I mean, but that's also the question. Are you seeing good performances from them because we don't know the language? Yeah. Which yeah. I believe, I believe you are because I mean, like, it's not like you've ever heard an article. Someone would have written an article being like, boy, people really hate Wong Kar Wai movies where he's from. Like, I feel well, like you would have heard the, that. Like, yeah, you would have heard that. But like, I, I, I do think there's this like interesting thing when movies are translated because they're not like translation isn't one to one. You know what I mean? Like, mo- people don't, you would never want to watch a movie that's been translated like one to one because it would sound terrible. Uh, um, it would like be hard to read and make no sense. So, like, when you translate things, you kind of have to obfuscate it and give it, um, give it like contextual clues that make sense to the person while also trying to like maintain the integrity of what the people are saying so like if you watch movies with like subtitles a lot of the times the subtitles will like if even if it's in the same language will like shorten what the person says or like rephrase it in a way where it's more direct and makes more sense to be read because you only have like a limited amount of space to put like what the person's saying in there um but like when you like read a book or like have to translate something into a different language whether it be the film format or whether it be like a written format you have to completely like from the ground up like almost recontextualize everything and yeah, so it can I be mean, like very difficult to like put his style of writing like you know it's like going through multiple people like it's going through like someone's yeah. head and being spoken and then like someone has to hear that and then translate that into something that makes sense to readers and so like yeah maybe you know maybe it's just not quite as good because there was like translation translation and you know other these like other layers in there all all the people in in the Wong Kar Wai movies where he's working with them in Hong Kong have to do what you're saying there's an extra added step of also having to translate it into English is what you're saying, which might even hamper it further. Maybe. Yeah. You know, because, I'm just like trying to, this, I'm just, I'm just spitballing, you know, or, or, and I say this one with all due respect, maybe, maybe American actors need to step their shit up a little bit because, uh, yeah, I tell you, starting to, starting to turn my, uh, turn to turn my praise towards, I think like Hong Kong movies a little more. I watched uh, Running yeah. Out of Time the it other day. some good shit. Ugh. Yeah, never seen that before. Right, so? Yeah, it was really good. Right? I, I enjoyed it. Right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's on my Plex. Yeah. Dude, you just like... I oh, I was going to say. Yeah, I couldn't find Red Rock West one day last week, and I was like... And, like, Mark was like, so what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm just going to dial around and find something on here. And he's like, he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm just going to find something. He goes, do you know any of these? I go, no, not really. But I kind of just look at the covers and whatever <laughs> whatever grabs me is interesting. And the cover to Running Out of Time is fantastic. The the Yeah, it's like two guys. They're like eyes. 
they're blindfolded. Or is it the one where they're blindfolded? Yeah. No, yeah. that's the yeah, that's the better one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great I gotta, cover. I'm, I gotta fucking watch that. That's why you texted me that, and I was like, I don't. I have like, you know, I was tired and. Uh, yeah, John Tell, good director. Like, yeah, he is. But is the guy who made Running Out of Time as good of a director as John Dahl and Michael Sarnowski? And more importantly, could he get as of an interesting performance out of Nicolas Cage? Johnny Tell? Johnny Tell could get a very interesting performance out of Nicolas Cage. Is he still alive? Johnny Tell? Very yeah. much still alive. Right. Still making well, movies. Maybe, maybe there's time. You know what? We gotta get him on this. Yeah. We just want to make, see you make one movie with Nicolas Cage. In fact, I'd like you to remake Running Out of Time with him and John Travolta. <laughs> oh, no, not again. Not again. <laughs> that's, okay. that's, that's, that's the tagline, actually. Oh, no, not again. Oh, no, not again. This is me with like my head in my hands. So let's talk about the first film. The first film, <laughs> I'm just going to do the I'm just going to do the intro. Fuck it. Yeah, um, that's, where, the, that's why I set you up. Okay, thank you. Yeah. The first film. All right, all right. Shut up. Everybody, shut up. Everybody, calm down. The first film follows Michael Williams as a drifter living out of his car after being discharged from the Marine Corps. He is trying to find a job, uh, and then he found a job, and heaven knows he's miserable now. In this 1993 American neo noir film directed by John Dahl. Starring Nicolas Cage as the aforementioned Michael Williams. Also starring A.T. Walsh as as a local bar owner. Um, and then Laura Flynn Boyle as Suzanne. And in The Turn of All Turns, Lyle from Dallas, played by Dennis Topper. That is, of course, the film written by the Dahl brothers, John Dahl and Rick Dahl, directed by John Dahl. And produced through our old friends, Propaganda Films. This is, of course, the 1983 Red Rock West. Nice driving, Mike, huh? Way to go. Feels good, don't it? Hmm? That old V8 just purrs like a cat. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how's it feel? Huh? Happy couple back together again. You got enough leg room, do you? <laughs> so, where's the money, Wayne? Just stay on this road, I'll tell you when to turn. Okay, boss. <laughs> hey, Wayne, I just want to ask you one thing. How did you ever get to be sheriff? I was elected. No shit, you were elected? Well, how did you rig that? It wasn't hard. He bought every voter in the county a drink. No shit. Damn. Maybe I ought to do that, you know? Run for sheriff. Buy a bar. What do you think, Mike? You want a drink? No, thanks. Scotch ain't good enough? Oh, I knew a guy like he once. Thought he was better than everybody else. That's it, ain't it, Mike? Hmm? 
think you're better than me, don't you? Why don't you just blow me? Oh, oh you think you're real hot shit, don't you, Mike? Huh? Hey. <laughs> hey, cowboy. Who's got the gun? Cowboy? You keep your foot on the gas. Uh, choose life. Are we having a good time yet? <laughs> have we done a John Dahl movie before? I don't think we have. No, we have. It's called Rounders, the most disinterested movie you've ever watched. Oh, right. I brought it up last time. How I know. I, I know. I, I don't know. Do I was this. hoping you had forgotten, and I got exactly what I wanted. Um, damn it. I well, like John Dahl, is, He made a movie called... Yeah. He's... This <laughs> definitely made me want to watch another John Dahl movie more than Rounders. This is his second movie. This is strong for a second movie. Yeah. I just, it feels... <laughs> This is going to say it feels very American indie movie in the early 90s, like mm-hmm. post Reservoir Dogs, but like pre Pulp Fiction, where like everything kind of feels like Pulp Fiction um, for a little while, at least. Um, wow. Ash really uh, disagrees with me. No, they had their original vision. <laughs> Uh, he was a, he's just a really big fan of uh, A Thousand Ways to Die and call, What is it? No uh, Things to do in Denver when you're dead Oh no, but you're also thinking of Two Days in the Valley as well uh, I'm also thinking of Two Days in the Valley Two just bad movies <laughs> No, Two Days in the Valley is underrated I disagree Okay, two, one bad movie And a movie that you think is underrated <laughs> That's nice that's, that's real nice I, I don't know. Days. I haven't seen Two Days in the Valley. I just I know things to do in Denver when your dead is like a, it's a, a bad point. movie. That one I know is bad <laughs> for sure, and I've not even seen it, but I know it's bad. Let's see. Yeah, it's this works. I think, and this really works. And it works for a couple reasons. And I mean, let's let's not let's not bury the lead here. One of those reasons is Nicolas Cage. Oh, he is fantastic while watching this movie last night Naomi and I were talking about how it's one of the few times where like Nicolas Cage has been like smolderingly good looking like he's Mm -hmm. not like I think he's attractive but he's not like wow what a hot dude you know what I mean like he never really has that vibe of like wow that guy's like really fucking hot but like in this movie you're like oh no that guy's like the fucking Marlboro man like that dude is like so traditionally American, good-looking, chiseled, like world-weary type guy, where it's like, yeah, kind of, like I get it. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. one of the few times. It's like we. I was talking about how specifically David Lynch was able to kind of tap into this like primal, carnal, like fuckboy energy that Nicolas Cage has for Wild at Heart. And yeah. like, this movie is that same amount of like primal magnetism, but like in the opposite soft boy way. It's like so strange. 
You know, Did I think any I of that makes sense. No, no, it it <laughs> does it does make sense because there was a time where Nicolas Cage was like this really kind of handsome guy, but what he also does so well in Red Rock West, and make no mistake, like he's on he's starting like to be two years away from leaving Las Vegas. He's about to win an Oscar. And to say yeah. that he's like, I mean, he does one, two, three, four, five movies in between there. Like, mm-hmm. and none of them are like particularly memorable, which is pretty crazy, actually. Mm-hmm. This, what's and weird about this and he's era. And he's three years after Wild at Heart as well, which is, which you're not wrong. But like what Dahl does here especially well is Dahl has three things going for him. Cage is one of them to be sure. The supporting mm-hmm. cast is incredibly important because Cage is a lot like Mark Wahlberg, not in the same way of like of not capable, but you need to surround him with people who can either A, keep up with him or or support him, depending on the movie. It also has an incredibly fast moving plot. This movie is an hour and a half, and that does every favor for it. It it sort of gives me similar vibes to like not the exact same like very similar vibes to um another movie we did on this podcast uh blood simple yeah that's um, what... no uh, noir were you gonna bring up blood simple long. no no no, no noir having... should be long yeah yeah no noir should be longer than an hour and a half like print it put it on a t-shirt yeah pretty much um this I think what what works about this plot is that it takes like the neo it takes the noir conceit and like kind of ratchets it up with like I don't know it's just I usually have a nose for like knowing where a movie's going to go and I did for the most part, but the movie, I don't know like what's going to happen until right before the movie wants me to know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where it's one of those where you, I mean, but I kind of did though. Like, this is a movie no, about a no, no, like guy. Like, this is the, this is the mistaken stranger. Yeah, it's no, yeah, yeah, of course. It's like the guy who gets like tied into like a murder plot yeah. that he like doesn't want anything to do with. Like, yeah, it's a very simple noir premise where it's like, oh, you've got the femme fatale, or you've got like the the, the it's the both the femme fatale and the woman like hard up in a situation that you want to protect. You've got like the crooked sheriff, you've got like the crazy hitman, um, and then you've got like the good guy who's kind of a wanderer, who's a drifter, who kind of gets caught in the middle. Of it. It's actually more, I think, a Western plot than a new noir plot um, to start with. That's fair. It be- um, becomes a neo noir plot as it unfolds, but I think yeah. it starts as like a Western guy well, comes he- into town, gets a dirty job, doesn't yeah. want to do it, d- tries to do the right thing, and then it backfires. Yeah, but you know what those Westerns did? got a have- man from West vibe. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's... You know it's, what Westerns didn't have? They didn't have fucking, Ben. That's what they didn't have. They didn't have fucking, but they also didn't have Dwight Yoakam. They did not have Dwight Yoakam. I love when Dwight Yoakam popped up in this movie. Yeah, he's like, hey, I'm Dwight Yoakam. 
Uh. I was like, oh, man, you're going to be beating a child in Sling Blade in a couple of years. I'm excited to see uh, that. Uh, oh, A-plus deserves an Oscar. He's so good in Sling Blade. He's, you know what? He's very good in Sling Blade. I, he's good yeah. in almost everything. He's good in... um. He's so funny as the warden in Logan Lucky. Oh, you're right. I forget he's in Logan Lucky. Oh, by the way, I know this won't inspire you to see Free Guy. Channing Tatum does about four and a half minutes in Free Guy, and it's hysterical. You know what? I will, when that movie is out on VOD, I will uh, fast forward to that moment, and that's it. That's yeah, all that's I will all watch. That's all you need. That's um, pretty much it. That's like all I really want from Free Guy. Yeah. So Cage is this guy who's pulled into this plot. He shows up at this bar and this guy named this guy named Wayne says, hey, are you the guy here for the meeting? And I think Nicholas Cage's character just goes, yeah, this seems like a job. I probably can get this because he's kind of looking for work because he's broke. Well, he, he I mean, he's he you know, went for a job at an oil field and immediately he didn't get it because he told the person hiring about his bum knee and so he moves on to Red Rock Rust, West, a title that I cannot say. And yeah, the movie just kind of like, he just like patterns along and you're like, oh, he's just going to drift from like town to town and then it's like, nope, nope, he gets pulled into like the machinations of the, of the city. Which I think it's like a cool way to do it. I don't know. I love I love plots like that. I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you on enjoying them, but it's also like... It's also like... God, I don't even know how to put it. Like... There's there's like this like weirdness to it because like at one point he does just get like... Like he just kind of like gets sucked into this plot and then he's just kind of in it, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, he well, like it's one of those things where it's like the the plot has to. It's four characters, right? Um, and I'll we're gonna list the other characters. You have Wayne, which is played by J.T. Walsh. Um, you have Suzanne, which is played by Laura Flynn Boyle, and you have Lyle, which is played by Dennis Hopper. Um, it starts out as a triangle plot between Cage, because Wayne wants Cage essentially to kill Suzanne. And Cage is like, that sounds awful. I don't want to do that. Um, but he he tells Wayne that he will do it so that he can get the money. Um, and then he like goes to Suzanne and is like, hey, your husband's trying to kill you. D- d- you should pay me the money that he was going to pay me to murder you, to murder him. And then he takes that money and he fucking says, he later, deuces. Yeah. Like, um, he kind of gets so over smart. on... Oh yeah, that's the only thing you should do. Um, leave and now you know Hitman can't be hired because the money is gone. All sorts of stuff. Uh, problem and then oh excuse me Jesus Christ. The problem arises when he is attempting to leave. He writes a letter to the sheriff that's like, this person's trying to kill this person. Sends it. Gets a car. Buys a bunch of gas. Buys a bunch of snacks. And then just is like, I'm gonna drive fucking back to where I came from. Like, fuck this place. 
um, on his way out. Big rainstorm happens. Uh, he and then a man pops in front of the car, and guess what? He hits that man very hard with uh, his car, and that man doesn't die, but he comes very close to dying. Yeah, and it's weird though. He stops and helps him because, like, say what you will, Michael's character has honor at the end of the day. Like Michael's does, character, yeah. Michael's character is not a bad guy. Like the thing he did is he took money from like two different people who were like pretty bad people from what he could tell and kind of was just like, yeah, this is helping me. I don't think I'm harming anybody here. They seem to have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Also, they, they shouldn't have this money because they're going to try and kill, kill, kill each other with it. Also, am I led to believe that like she, it was how much to kill her? I uh, am not entirely sure. I don't really remember. Because it seems like it wasn't that much. It doesn't seem like it was. I think it was one of those things where it was like two thousand, three thousand up front, and then three thousand later. Half now, half you're, half later. You're telling you know? me it was six grand to kill her? I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. I got to imagine it's got to be at least ten, because he gets he gets five, he now five later. Yeah, maybe he brings he brings this um he brings this guy in, and they hold him there for question. They say, "Well, the sheriff wants to talk to you," and in through the door walks Wayne. Hmm. Bum, bum, bum. And yeah, it turns out Wayne is not only bartender in this town, he's also sheriff, and from what I can tell, judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> it's a small town. You know, you, you get them where you got them. I got a lot of hats. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of I, hats. We didn't talk about it. I love J.T. Walsh. He's great in this. He, he's great in this, and he's also great in that movie with Kurt Russell. Uh, he's also great in Sling Blade. <laughs> oh, he is in Sling Blade, isn't he? Yes, he is. I Who thought that's where we were going to go. No, what's that Kurt Russell movie where it's like, where he's like, Breakdown? Breakdown, that's it. Oh, he's such a good scumbag in that. Yeah, we all know, we all know uh, the Jonathan Boslow film Breakdown. Yeah, breakdown. JT Wall. You know the guy who directed. What else did he direct? You know the guy who directed Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. You go to hell. I like that movie. You go to hell right now. I won't hear abuse it's on fine. Terminator Three. Yeah, it is fine. It's fine. Exactly. Was so. It's fine. He he arrests him and. He's pretty much like it's very much. Well, I'm just gonna make it look like you tried to escape, and I'm gonna have to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> uh guess what does not go well no nicholas cage gets away uh, weird how this guy who's the sheriff is very bad at his job that comes into play later does it yeah they like make a mention about how he's not really like a cop he never was a cop oh before. yeah oh yeah that's right um, yeah, this movie does keep twisting you about. And, you know, Nicolas Cage gets away. He gets chased for a little bit. But luckily, there's a guy there to help him. And his name is Dennis Hopper. He meets a man who tells him, what the fuck are you doing? Um, which is the greatest introduction line to any character ever. 
No, well, you're wrong. I mean, because he still has that. He still has that title. But it's for the movie Blue Velvet where he goes, shut up. It's daddy. And where's my bourbon, you shithead? That is that a really is good the, line. Yeah. I mean, you're just like, the problem, you're the bad guy. Oh, cool. The the, the, the reason uh, I don't like that as much is because it does end with him saying, I, I believe this is me quoting Blue Velvet. Um, daddy wants to fuck, which is the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm going to take it up a notch for you. It's baby wants to fuck. It's baby wants to fuck. That's what it is. That's the worst thing anyone has ever said. Yeah, it's he's he's a monster in that movie. We watched that last weekend. She goes, he's terrible. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> Heineken, Pap's Blue Ribbon. The best moment in that movie is where he goes, well, what's your name, neighbor? And he like answers him. He goes, you want to go for a ride? And he goes, no, I'm okay. He goes, no, you're okay. Why are you okay? And he goes, I just don't want to. He goes, don't want to what? And he goes, go for a ride. He goes, go for a ride. What a good idea. Oh, my God. He's a monster in that movie. That movie's, that movie's really good. He slow burns the monster in this movie, though. He does. Uh, I, the interaction that I was thinking is, is, he goes, what the fuck are you doing? And then Nicolas Cage was like, my car broke down. He's like, where? I don't see a car. It's like, just over that ridge. Just over that ridge, huh? Well, you're one lucky son of a bitch, aren't you? I almost turned your, uh, your head into my grill. I'd be picking you out of there. He says, if I hadn't hit the brakes just done, if I hadn't my brakes just done, I'd be picking your brains out of my radiator. And then he just goes, fuck. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, it's a very odd performance by Hopper. That's a great introduction. So they get to driving and I'll tell you movie fooled me for a second. I didn't realize who he was. Uh, yeah, the movie got me there. Where it wasn't until like they got to the bar, where, which mm-hmm. is when the move, right when the movie was like, "Oh, I, I know where this is going." I was sitting there and I was like, the minute he sits down, he goes, "I got some business with a guy named Wayne." And you're like, "Oh God damn it, you're the guy I'm supposed to be." Oh, oh God, I got it. And then he's just like, "I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta leave." <laughs> he goes to the bathroom and. Wayne comes in, he ducks out, he gets up on top of uh, of the building. Hmm. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Ah, sorry, back. He gets on top of the building and it's like, boy, Nicolas Cage is doing a lot of moving in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage doing a lot of like a lot of moving acting, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he gets away. I mean, he eventually gets back to Laura Flynn Boyle, which by the way, we are under a misconception. We said last week maybe he brought her along for the last induction. Those are two different actresses. Um, wait, what? We said that last week we said Oh, this is uh, this is right before he makes Last Seduction, John Dahl. 
And I said, huh, Laura Flynn Boyle. And you're like, yeah, maybe. We both like said, like, oh, maybe he brings her along because of how she does in this movie. Linda Florentino is in Last Seduction. Those are two different people. I genuinely don't remember saying that. But, yeah, no, uh, Linda Florentino uh, is definitely not, not Laura, Laura Flynn Boyle. Boyle. No. And because the whole movie I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm like, did she look different? Because, like, they're both, like, brunettes. Like, they're both, like, just drop-dead gorgeous brunettes. Are my eyes bad? No, they look a lot alike. And also their names don't help them either. Laura Flynn Boyle, well, Laura Flynn Boyle, Laura Flynn Florentino. Like it's, it's yeah, I, I, yeah, they look alike from like a distance, I would say. Yeah, not like um, 100% would, alike, but like you could no, see where no. you could mistake them. The names don't help either. Yeah, that's true. Um I, what I think is interesting about Laura Flynn Boyle in this movie is they're trying to, like... The, I think it is pretty solid acting. Because, like, when I first... When it first, like, introduces her as, like, this, like, all-American-type riding... Riding mm. a fucking horse. I'm like, she has the most British face you can possibly have. Like, how are you going to try and sell her as, like, this fucking, like, American salt? Like, like you know like of the land fat of the land type person when like i know that's not i know that's not true it's, is she it, british you know, it's like Lord, it's, yeah oh well my she's God, not british but that. you just like look at her and you're like she's not british she's american but you just oh, look okay. at her and you're just like she looks like a fucking princess like she doesn't look like <laughs> she doesn't yeah, look like sometimes, someone sometimes those cactus flowers grow amongst like all the all the weeds like that's what she is she's that girl who should have gotten out but didn't she married this guy and now she's like looking for what she's a perfect femme fatale. I understand that that's what they're, that's like what Wayne, like, like what Wayne and Susan are trying to do. But like, it's like very clear, like, no, like, I don't, I don't know. You just don't seem like that. type. Like, you don't seem like those type of people to me so, anyway. So you're saying that that actually, the movie's doing its job correctly in that sense. I think so. Yeah. I think you're well, supposed to make you kind of go like, um, nah. um yeah it's kind of just like i think in my opinion supposed to make you kind of go like oh well that's that's like that's why they, they they're like that all right that's fair i can buy that actually so he gets back to her and he says we got to get out of here they take off together they they're gonna go get more money because i guess like her her family left her a pretty sizable inheritance is what she tells him. I mean, it turns out later that's BS. Winky, 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 winky. Yeah. This movie is all just about lying to Nicolas Cage and just getting the plot to keep going. More movies should be about lying to Nicolas Cage. You know, no, I don't have your dog, Nicolas Cage. I don't believe no. you. No, I don't have your truffle pig, Nick Cage. Oh yeah, I did. They did kind of make that movie already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets like I mean, eventually, like they're just getting chased constantly, and eventually it gets to. I'm, I'll say this funniest moment in the movie is where Dennis Hopper thinks he has the drop in them, and then Nicolas Cage proceeds to throw a statue at him. Mm. Like that should have <laughs> killed Dennis Hopper. You know, it's always funny when someone gets a statue thrown at them. Yeah, he knocks them out, and then um, they take off. But it all results in them, uh, in Dennis Hopper walking them to go dig up the rest of the money. 
Well, yeah, Dennis. We should talk more about Dennis Hopper in this movie. Yeah, we should. I I think when you look at like you see Nick Cage on the tin and you're like, oh man, this is gonna be him. He's gonna be walking around. He's gonna be yelling at people. He's gonna be losing his mind. And it's for the most part like a very subdued performance. Uh, yeah, he's not in cage mode yet. He hasn't won the Oscar. No. Well, I mean, he, he there's other movies where he's in cage mode. Like, but but he's not. Fuck, he's not. Like, he's it's it's a different type of cage mode though. I feel like I feel like there's still a restrained. He, I Go think on. at this time, cage mode is like vampires kiss or um, honeymoon in Vegas, where they're kind of like these like deconstruction of. Um, these like deconstructions of acting, <laughs> which I kn- I know how that sounds. I know this really sounds like I'm up my own ass here, but I think though like cage mode before, like I need to be in everything because I have like a million dollars in debt. Um, it was something different. You know what I mean? It was just like these movies where you're he's like. Doing these very weird and knowing performances, especially in movies like Vampire's Kiss, especially in movies like Wild at Heart or Honeymoon in Vegas, where they're these like kind of like over the top kind of nutball performances. So like this movie is much more in the vein of like a traditional John Wayne type performance where he's like he's like a quiet, sensitive leading man. Um, which is I don't think at the time was like something that you would necessarily expect Cage to be like. You know what I mean? I guess I guess what I mean for me when I mean Cage mode is like there was Cage mode before he want before people expected Cage mode, and then there was Cage mode after he's like, okay, I I gotta turn it on every movie. It's kind of what they expect. Like, well, yeah, like every yeah. movie. But, like, I mean, this movie comes out the same year as Deadfall, which have you ever seen his performance in Deadfall? I've never seen Deadfall. It is the quint, like, one of the quintessential Cage mode oh, performances. Oh, I, I know, I know this, I know this, this, uh, this outfit he has on. It, he's doing, like, this insane character throughout the entirety, like, the entire, like, 40, 50 minutes that he's in the movie. It is absolutely nutballs it's a terrible movie yeah <laughs> like deadfall is not good um it's directed it, it's directed I, not by his brother christopher coppola by his, by his cousin maybe no it's brother the brothers well there you um, go it's directed by his brother christopher coppola um and so like yeah i think like cage mode kind of exists but like he only gets into this movie like once or twice. Yeah, like he has like moments where he gets mad, but it's because something really like really crazy has happened. Or he's like yelling at a nurse to be like, get get the ER doctor. Yeah. Like he's fucking dying. Like which is pretty funny when he yells. It's always funny when he yells. He should be yelling all the time. I can see uh, where the, it not, gets not from there the to there. Movie. You know what I mean? Not in the next movie. <laughs> So eventually it kind of comes down to like Hopper's character kind of goes into business for himself, as they say in the wrestling business. 
and he uh, he pretty much tells him, "Well, go dig up the money for me, and we're gonna I'm gonna take it." And I mean, I, I mean, do we want to give away the full ending? Uh, no, let's not give away the full ending. Um, because I think there should be something for people to watch. Um. It's a really good movie, and if you've never yeah. seen it, which I'm assuming most people probably haven't, because it's not readily available. Um, it does have a Blu-ray that does exist, but it's, you know, hard to find. Um, people should watch it. I was think it's a really Blu-ray? good movie. Yes. Yeah, it was really nice looking, by the way. It's good. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, I think people should check it out. I think it's good. Yeah, it's got a lot of solid moments to it, for sure. I'm kind of glad that there's, like, this... Where, like, it, it appears, like, every year Nick Cage is in a movie where people are like, man, this is, like, the one good Nick Cage movie does it, Nick Cage movie does a year. But, like, man, you watch, like, some of these older performances and you're like, god damn, this guy fucking... This guy's always been good. He's... Yeah, no, he's had a career. Like, the man has, like... I look at his career and, like, even though there's some stuff that's kind of forgettable, like... I don't think he's the forgettable part of it. Like, I'm looking at this now. I'm like, Trapped in Paradise comes out a year later, and that movie is hysterical. Mm-hmm. It, it, you see how he became, you know, by, like, watching this, you're like, oh, I understand how, like, how, you know, like, a movie like The Rock or Con Air, how you're like, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, that guy's it. Even though this is, like, you know, an indie movie. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I mean, and let's can we talk about Doll real quick? Have you looked at Doll's filmography since like 2011? It's uh, no, it's yes. like he's the, he's the king of television. Yeah, which like which, I mean, good for no, people. Oh yeah, it's one of those things where you like you look at it since 2011 and it's like oh he's done an episode on every big name television show. Or most of the big name television shows. Um, there's a few drops in there, but like, you know, he's got like an episode of Breaking Bad. He's got an episode of like Battlestar Galactica. And Cal- he did 10 episodes of Californication. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, Justified. He did, he did 16 of Dexter. I mean, like, yeah, Justified. The list goes on. I mean, and these are not slouch shows. Like, these are, these are big name shows. Yeah, like House of Cards, which uh, uh, um, the the affair, Jessica Jones. Yeah, man's um, man's a really good like journeyman, like working TV director. He's kind of transitioned into TV, but who I, knows? Maybe, you know, maybe he likes it more. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, maybe you kill me. The John King, or the Ben Kingsley movie. Yeah, well, I remember that being like fine. That's probably it's probably has not held up like at all. Um, but I remember that being like pretty well received when it came out. I don't know. I feel like John Dahl should have a better career. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, let's go back. Let's look at like because you've got you've got you kill me the great raid, um, Joyride Rounders. I've heard of Joyride, the Paul Walker, J.J. Yeah, Abrams. Fun. 
It was written by J.J. Abrams. Like, I remember, I know it. I know it as the movie written by J.J. Abrams. Like, as like yeah, it's supposed to be a good little thriller. I've never seen it myself, but it's supposed to be like kind of like kind of what he does with Duel. But to say that this is his second movie is incredibly solid. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then he's about to do Last Seduction, which will kind of make him for the rest of his life. Um, Last Seduction is one of those movies where it's like if it hadn't premiered on HBO, like what, what is you know. Like what is Does the Lisa Florentino of this have a have an Oscar? You know, <laughs> maybe. Does she? Does know. she have an Oscar? No, I don't think so. Oh, I thought you said she did for a second there. No, no, I'm I'm just saying it's one of those things where it's like you know if it doesn't premiere on HBO, does maybe she, is she nominated? Like who knows? Oh, fair. Okay. No, she got nominated for a bunch of stuff, but like uh, not. Oh, probably. You know. She was nominated for the Independent Spirit Award. She was nominated for London Film Critics Circle and New York Film Critics Circle, uh, BAFTA, all sorts of stuff. But because it played on HBO before it was released in theaters, it was not eligible for the Oscars or the Globes or anything of that. It's crazy. It's a great yeah. movie. Yeah, this seduction's a good movie. It's on currently on the Criterion Channel. They do like a whole neo noir little thing. Yeah, I saw that. I'm gonna look into that. Um, well, I guess what would be your what would be your elevator pitch if you had to... not my elevator pitch, dog. Oh, your yeah. elevator I guess, pitch. I guess it would be mine. Hey, you, you like Last Seduction? You remember that scene where they have sex up against the fence? Nothing that hot happens in this movie, but man, solid hour and a half crime thriller. I see you're edging towards the door. I'll, I'll let you out. Yes. The movie does have a pretty good sex scene, though. Yeah, it really, really does. He has a lot of hair on his chest. It's not as good as it's not as good as Wild at Heart. Agreed. Nor does it have as good as writing at Wild at Heart does. That's true. That's very, very true. Owner with a capital O. Exactly. What do you? No, I guess it would no be what do wife. you pair it with? Yeah, once again. What do you pair it with? Well, I hate to tell you this, but Oliver Stone ripped this movie off three years later, and it's called U-Turn. I was going to hope that you said U-Turn. I really yeah, need to U-turn. watch U-Turn. U-Turn's a fun movie. U-Turn has like seven performances from people who you'll be like, that movie doesn't exist. Like, that performance doesn't exist. Oh, God. I saw an Oliver Stone box set. Um, and I, I probably I, own it. I, I, I was like, I should get this, but solely so I can own U-Turn. Not any of the other ones that people are. No, I don't U-turn. really want any of the other ones. I just want U-Turn. I mean, come on. JFK is an entertaining fiction. Entertaining, uh, entertaining truth, Ben. Yeah, right. That's what I said. Oh, what do you give uh, Red Rock West? I give it a solid. Uh, you know what? I give it a solid. F- f- ah, fuck it. Four out of five. All right. I'm going like three and a half out of five. Uh, can I modify mine? Sure. Three and a half out of five. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I well, thought I was going to like under I don't know why I did the prices right rules where I was like I right, it has to be under <laughs> Yeah. That's that's what you're doing. Well, it takes us to our next movie and that movie's a little more uh current. 
it's have we done many movies that are contemporaneous i feel like this is like uh, the second did, one we did get it we did us when it first came out yeah is did we do any other ones i don't think so this might be the uh, second all right finally my time to do a movie that's currently in theaters it might be out of theaters by the time this comes out so you might have Probably. to catch this on vod it's on vod already it's already on vod perfect it's a little interesting little uh, drama film co-written and directed by Michael Stanowski. It's directorial debut. It stars Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolf, Adam Arkin. It follows a, a person who is a truffle forager. We'll talk about that. Um, and his beloved truffle finding pig is stolen. Um, it's released through Neon. And uh, it's based in my hometown of Portland in the culinary scene up here. It is, of course, the 2021 film. Interesting for me to say that. Pig. I'm looking for a truffle pig. I don't... I, I, I don't understand. I just want to know about the pig. Tell him who you are. Come on, tell him. Oh my God, uh, may I? How are you? My God, you, you, you've been off the scene for what, uh, 10 years? 15. Really? Okay. I thought you would, um, well, I mean, the time is very, uh, Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry, do you need medical attention? No, thank you. Uh, you probably don't remember me, but I actually worked at Hestia. You were a prep cook for two months. Was it two months? I fired you because you always overcooked the pasta. <laughs> ah, ah, now this is excellent. This is a, uh, a 2012 Pinot from just 20 miles away. So do you know about the pig? Why, why do you want a pig? It's my pig. Oh, okay. That, that that's great. That's a, that's a that's a great business. It's a it's a it's an expanding industry. It's it's someone stole it. <sighs> I really um, I respect you, chef. I always have. But I'm running a business here, and people have expectations. Uh, critics, uh, investors, so forth, and uh, uh, truffles are 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 a, a key part the whole uh, concept of the winter menu, and, and they need to be the top of the line. So you understand. I, I, have, I have the utmost respect for you, utmost. What is the concept? Um, well, uh, we're interested in taking local ingredients, uh, native to this region, and, and just deconstructing them. You know, making the, the familiar feel foreign. 
thereby giving us uh, an even greater appreciation of food as a whole. This is the kind of cooking you like? It's cutting edge. It's very exciting. Exciting. I mean, everybody loves it. You like cooking it? Does Nicolas Cage say more than, like, six words in this movie? His performance is amazing in here. I think he says, like, seven things. It's, it might truly be, like, like, this is, like, this is a movie where you're like, oh, fuck, I wish we would have known this was coming. We might have held off on that Oscar for so long. This would have been a real payoff Oscar. <laughs> this is the best performance of the year thus far, in my opinion. I, yeah, same here. I, like, I don't really, I don't really see any other film it could be. And I mean, he does so much with so little, which is the exact opposite of almost every Cage performance. Yeah. It's like a really, it's like a really under, Oh, sorry. It's still really um, understated performance, even, even by like, like especially for Nick Cage, but like even by someone who wasn't Nick Cage's like uh, as an actor, you would be like, wow, that was a really understated performance. Very subtle. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, not to not to say that Nick Cage isn't a fucking amazing actor. Of course, no, no, he is. yeah, it is. Like, but this like, is just this is so different. He's great in this. This is like this is like he's been throwing a fastball for almost his whole life, and now he and every once in a while he'll throw a different pitch, and you'll be like, oh shit, I didn't know he could do that. Like, like this adaptation, Mandy. These are all examples of movies. Where, like, he's doing so much with, like, something very different. Well, it's like, it to, to use your, your pitch analogy, it's like, it's as if he's a pitcher who has just a bunch of hard stuff. Like, oh, he's got a fastball, he's got a sinker, he's got a cutter. And then, like, out of nowhere, you're not paying attention. And all of a sudden, he just threw the gnarliest curveball you've ever seen. And you're just like, I didn't even know he had a curveball. No one knew he had a curveball. We'd forgotten that he had a, an amazing curveball. And then he just starts throwing the curveball for a little bit. Yeah. And you're just like, I can't hit that fucking thing. We we went to this, and she had no idea what this movie was. My parents had little to no idea. And we sat down, and like 90 minutes later, we all stood up, and they all went, yeah, okay. That was really good. I go, yeah, I, I, think, I think this movie kind of speaks for itself. Like, there is a there is a presence to him throughout this whole movie. Because, I mean, this movie is not something we can really talk about without kind of, like, mildly... We don't have to spoil a certain aspect of it. But um, the movie is about a guy who lives out in the woods who seems to be kind of this hermit whose whole business and how he maintains his life is he finds these truffles... Well, his pig finds these truffles, and he brings them to this guy who takes them to the Portland, like, culinary scene and sells them for him, is what it seems. Um, yeah, so do you know what truffles are? They're like some sort of like a uh, mushroom, right? They're a mushroom. They're a mushroom that live, that live, that, um, you find by like digging into the earth. Hmm. They're harder, 
they're not hard to find. It's just like they're rarer and they're kind of considered this like delicacy. Yeah. Um, uh, specifically for like, um, specifically for like uh, like a like a winter food. I mean, they even talk about it in the movie that it's like a winter thing. Um, but up here in like restaurants and stuff like that, they'll pay fucking so much money for truffles. Um, and so there's like this little cottage industry of people who like pick truffles. It's like an actual thing. Um, and so it's all very real to have someone selling truffles. Um, I just find it funny because I was like watching the movie and I was like, so is that like a mushroom? Like, what the fuck is the truffle? Like, what? I don't, I like know what they are, but I've like never physically seen a truffle with my eyes. Yeah. And so like for this movie to just be like, like center around truffles, <laughs> I was just like, okay, I guess. Go off, King. And the whole movie, like, I mean, I'll say this too. One of the things I appreciated most about this movie Within six minutes, they've taken his pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't really dwell on whether or not they're taking that pig. Like, you yeah. know he's take, that pig's getting taken? Because it's a movie called Pig. Yeah. Uh, so that pig, that pig gotta go. And it does, and... Like, he kind of just goes after it, like... He walks to town and he calls the guy who comes and gets his troubles and pretty much tells him, like, you're going to help me find this pig or you don't have your source anymore. Well, he I mean, he says, I won't give you the, the truffles. Um, yeah. Eventually, he's just like, I don't need the pig to find truffles. Like the trees tell you where to find the truffles. Yeah. Um, he, but he doesn't tell him that till much later. Till much later. Um which is true. I think from this point forward, we should issue a spoiler warning. This is a new yeah. movie. Um, we're going to spoil the rest of it. That should be enough to make you want to watch it. Um, it is very good. You should watch it. It's a very good performance. Um, I, we should say that Alex Wolf plays the guy who sells him truffles. Um, or he sells truffles too, I should say. Um, but if you don't want to have the movie spoiled for you, you should stop listening because this is your point of no return. And I mean, it really is, isn't it? Because there is something. I mean, yeah, like, so the pig gets stolen and he's like, well, I'm tracking down that fucking pig. You know what I kind of love? Go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go for it. Oh, you, you know, he, he, he goes, like, I'm attracted on the fucking pig, and you, that's the movie. It's kind of one of those, it's kind of the, how do I put it? Like, you know the movie where, like, someone's got to go, you know what it is? It's the fucking searchers with a pig is what it is. I can't, I can't better put it. <laughs> no, like, it, it is, but, like, it's also, like, it's the movie The Protector, like, it's that movie where a guy has to go set. You know what it is? It's it's a guy's got to go set something right kind of movie. It, isn't the protector also like someone stole? They stole an elephant. An elephant. That's wow, man. I gotta watch the protector. That movie's got fucking. Dude, the protector rules. The protector might be one of the greatest kung fu movies I've ever seen. 
it's got that like amazing shot, right? Where it's they're the like fight, going the up. Fight up the fight up the stairs. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know, what, so you know what, uh, yeah, I just got yeah. I just got an idea for a movie that we should do for the podcast, and I what's that? Hope for a stipulation. We should do we should do like a Hong Kong stipulation where I get to pick fucking I get to pick motherfucking. Uh, oh, actually, I have a perfect setup. Never mind. I've got an idea. Ben, I've got an idea. I'll tell you after the podcast. Oh, okay, buddy. <laughs> um, speaking of which, you're gonna find. What did I text you? Were the nine movies? Uh, uh, they were Meek's Cutoff and and, hate, and Hateful Eight and Hateful Eight. Very excited to rewatch Hateful Eight, a movie I like a lot. All right, so we are gonna okay. So Cage has his pig stolen, and it basically comes down to the idea of like Cage is like, well, I'm gonna go get it back, and I'm gonna do everything in my power to get it back, and the movie is just kind of a bunch of interactions with him kind of not only just trying to find his pig, but also kind of going back into the world for the first time. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, um, it's, it in many ways feels like they took the searchers, right? Like your whole thing about the searchers um, and just made it about the, end of the searchers where it's about a man who like realizes that he can't go back you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and it's just about someone who's just kind of like coming in and realizing that the world has completely changed and you, yeah, whether or not you know they can fit into society again um yeah it's it's a um, rough one. It's a rough one because at the end of that movie, you're not really sure if anything good did happen. Like you're not sure. I don't know. Uh, it's it's rough. It's it's a real rough movie. It's also a movie about redemption too, in some ways. Yeah, but you know, and about like facing change and like ex- coming to like accept the reality of of life um and i think that the 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 extremity of nicholas cage's character of this person who's like you take the concept of the man who's had the wife that died and you take it to the most logical furthest extreme which is a man living alone in the woods who is like cut off from society and only like talks like one person and then like what happens when the one other thing in life he loves is taken like what does he do like what does that ha- like what happens and you know it's it's about this like broken tra- like traumatized character re-breaking himself re-traumatizing himself to try and get this like one thing he loves back and you know is is it worth it like what's the point to any of this you know yeah and so you kind of get the sense by the end of the movie not to spoil anything i guess if you're if you didn't listen to me and you still are worried about spoilers the the end of the movie is essentially just like you know is he gonna stay in this cabin for the rest of his life or is he gonna like re-emerge into society you don't know 
Well, the, the biggest shock of the movie for me is when you find out he's not just some no-account drifter. He was a person amongst the people who he is dealing with. Like, just because he chose this life of solitude doesn't mean that there isn't still a connection to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, that his name, after, like, a decade away from being a culinary icon, still holds this weight and this, like intrigue in people's minds you know it says a lot well i mean two of the two of the best moments in the movie in my opinion is the scene where alex wolf tells the story about them coming home from a dinner and the other one is the guy at the restaurant who like nicholas cage says you should open up your pub like he that scene between that dude and him is amazing because that dude's one of those guys like the guy in the gas station in no country where you're like, this might be a real person. Like, like this could just be a real person that they found. (sighs) That scene is fucking incredible. Yeah. That guy is so good. That like day player. Uh, I looked him up. He's David Nell, uh, actor, director and cinematographer. Uh, his second thing that he is known for is a movie called Spring Break, which I've never heard of, and the and Splash, and Total Recall. I, I don't know who he is in any of those. Um, he was in a bunch of TV shows as an actor, and yet in this movie, he is fucking incredible. And it's because Cage allows him. Like, essentially what Cage is doing is Cage is playing a brick wall and that guy is kind of just, like, throwing his nervousness at the brick wall like a tennis ball. And Cage is just like, no, throw it harder. Like, just keep throwing it harder. And, like, the way I'm going to react to you with what little I'm going to do is going to get this scene over. Like, it's incredible. Like, like I said, you have to have other people around you to make it work. Talk about the scene where Cage goes back to his house and sees that little kid. Like, yeah, and the little kids like just playing on a thing and you're just like, okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, seeing in the bread shop, like every scene he's in is just I mean, and he's the whole movie. Nicolas Cage is this movie. I don't think there's a scene without him because um, it's it's him. It's, you know, it's about him. Um. And yeah, it's, 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 I didn't expect the movie to be like, I don't know what I expected from the trailer, but this, I did not expect like this movie. I don't know why, but I expected Alex Wolf to be the villain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kinda, was like, I Oh, he's, he's going to be the bad guy. Right. And it's like, no, he's like very sympathetic and like a sweet character. You feel as bad for love. him as I think you do for Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got as much fucked up stuff going on in his life. I mean, his dad's the fucking villain. His dad is the villain. What else is Adam Arkin in? He's really good. Um, He's got to be in more stuff. Oh, my God. What a cute pig. What a... I'm sorry. I'm looking at photos of the pig. Yeah. Um, the pig's apparently a bastard. He was a bastard to work with. He he bit he bit um, he bit Nicholas Cage. 
Oh, goddamn pig. <laughs> um, so the only other film I've seen him in is A Serious Man. He's the divorce lawyer. He's the divorce lawyer. Um, He's got to be something else, then. appears to be in just a bunch of television. Hmm. He's a director, though. He's directed 48 different things. Probably a bunch of television. A lot of television. But still not, like, low-budget stuff. Yeah, you've heard of Billions. You've heard of Get Shorty? You've heard of Sneaky Pete? And Fargo. Oh, two episodes of Fargo. Which you don't care about. Eh. More notably, both these movies have directors on of Justified. Which I think is the more interesting thing. Do Do you like Justified? Justified fucking rules. Oh, I'm so glad um, we're on the same page. I was. I thought I don't, we were gonna have an argument tonight. I don't care if it makes me sound like a dad. Justified fucking no, kicks no, ass. No, no, you're not a dad. You're you're a guy who knows solid television. That's where that's where both Timothy Oliphant. You don't get Timothy Oliphant or Walton Goggins in Quentin Tarantino movies without that show. Sorry, that's just a fact. Like fucking you don't. Justified rules, dude. Justify is such a good show. Like. That was my favorite show, like, at one point. The ending of that show is amazing, too. It's also, yeah, it's really good. Um, it was one of the few just television shows I watched for a period of time. Like, I don't, I don't really watch TV because I just don't have the attention span to watch, like, a hundred episodes of something. But goddamn, Justified's good. It's not just that, though. It's the one FX show that's a drama that didn't overstay its welcome. Yes. Sons of Anarchy yes. overstayed its welcome. All those other FX drama shows overstay their welcome. American yeah, yeah, Horror yeah. Story is kind of overstaying its welcome. It's overstayed its welcome. Did, the, did Americans overstay its welcome? Americans overstayed its welcome from everything. I mean, I never liked the Americans to begin with, so yes. But, um, but Justified feels like it went out at the right moment. Anywho. Um, Adam Arkin directed a bunch of episodes of Justified. He's awesome as the villain in Pig. Everybody in this movie is just giving like a fucking incredible performance, which I think is I... a testament to the director. Yeah, what else has he done? So this is his first film. Wow. Like feature length film. Um, he's done TV. I thought I literally, I like looked... And I thought that he had done fucking Friday Night like a Friday Night Lights, but Just Fight no. Night Legacy. Um, I I am I read too quickly. He he's he's done like editing and some shorts. Um, okay. There's a TV show called Olympia apparently that he did. I don't know any uh, of this, but uh, it doesn't look real. I have a feeling so, he's. A, I no. have a feeling we're gonna see something from him again. It's a fucking good. That's fucking good. This is a really good movie. Yeah. Um, I feel like if if we didn't do this podcast where we talk about this movie, you would probably see it again, and you probably will see it again at the end of the year. Yeah, I have a feeling this is gonna creep up somewhere in there. Who's to say? I don't think it's been a particularly strong year. Um, I think this is in my top spot maybe right now. It's this or old. Look, but. there are some movies, there are movies, you know, where I'm like, there are some movies where I'm like, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, but so far, there really isn't much. Hold on. You know what? I can pull up my list on my laptop right now. Can I? Do I have a notes app on here? It's like in my top two, top three. Yeah. If we're going to allow uh, stuff from It's definitely last in my top year. five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. If we're allowing stuff from last year, then it's probably in my top eight. I mean, I'm I'm trying to figure out how we're going to do it. I think we said one movie that, like, came out last year is what we're going to go with. You shot me down, I thought. No, I was joking. I was joking oh, when, I, when I said joking. that. Yeah. Motherfucker. Uh, yeah, that's me. That's why they call me the gym. Uh, what is it? Why don't I have my lists? Where, where are my lists? Um... I know old's in it. I know this movie's in it. Um, if I can allow one movie from last year, then that's that's a movie probably called The Empty Man. That'll be on there. Uh, I need um, to watch that. I got that at home. It's a good movie. Yeah, that's what it's I've heard. Great movie, actually. That's uh, what I've heard. I need to watch that movie again, dude. I, I really love that movie. Hey, we're getting off topic here. We gotta get yeah. back. Gotta get back. Gotta get back to pig. Um, do you want to like? Do you want to spoil the whole thing, or do you just want to like? Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I guess if we're gonna talk about, I guess if we're gonna talk about, um, I mean the the ending of the movie is maybe the most beautiful part. You have Alex Wolf tell this story about how like they came home really happy once, and like Nicolas Cage like. I don't know how he figures it out, but he knows that like he's the one who cooked the meal for him. And Nicolas Cage, instead of going about it, because the whole time you think to yourself, okay, this movie is going to build where Nicolas Cage is going to figure out a way to cut through every person between him and Adam Arkin, and he is going to kill him for that pig or get that pig back. And he doesn't. The opposite. He like opposite Charles Bronson's it. He makes him a nice meal and breaks him that way. Like, it's insane. I'm so sorry. Can you say that last part again? My brain just totally took off. I was saying it's amazing how like Nicolas Cage does this move where he like reverse Charles Bronson's him instead of like getting like a large gun and cutting through a bunch of people. He essentially like makes him a nice meal and like mentally breaks him that way by reminding him of a time like where he was really happy and like his wife wasn't like like gone and it's it's amazing how he kind of gets what he wants but also like he doesn't because like like at the end of the day it's over like he can't get back what he lost it it's just one of those things where the the uh, like i said before it makes me think of just like it couldn't have all been for nothing right like it couldn't have all like this whole thing have been for nothing and at the end of the day it's like is there growth here like, is there um, something that can that he can learn through this? Like, how how has the character in this movie fundamentally changed? And you think about it, and you're like, maybe he, maybe Nicolas Cage's character hasn't fundamentally changed, but Alex Wolf has irrevocably changed to be a completely different person by the end of this movie. Oh, absolutely! Like, it's amazing. It's amazing how like you've seen it you've seen a change in cage too i think he has more of hope and humanity to a certain extent but also like he's not quite ready to go back not quite ready but you think you kind of see like well, maybe you know i think yeah. 
there might be there might be more of him coming back than yeah i think he realizes he kind of needs that human connection yeah i think he does too it's i mean because even alex wolf at the end is like are you gonna be okay and he's like yeah i'll be okay he's like i'll see you like he goes i'll see you this day like he tells him like yeah come back out Essentially, and, yeah, I'll see you Thursday or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. And, I mean, that's kind of where the movie ends. And, I mean, oh, there goes a guy getting on an elevator. Hold on a moment. Um, yeah, you, you like Nicolas Cage? You want to see the opposite of Nicolas Cage? Like like a hollow Nicolas Cage where nothing's there, but yet just that still, that intensity's there? Yeah, you should watch Pig. Yeah, you can get off at this floor. That's fine. I don't know what to pair this with. Yeah, good luck, buddy. I know exactly what to pair this with. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. What would I pair this with? I'm going to pair this with Love, Liza. This kind of had that same bummer feeling of that movie. Yeah, how's that for you? How's that grab you? Uh, you know, yeah, no, that's, that's great. You know what you, you should pair this movie with? What's that? John Wick. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go one more than that, Wendy, <laughs> Wendy, Wendy, and Lucy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah Actually, yeah. yeah those yeah, are yeah. both. I guarantee you, Kelly Reichardt saw this movie and went, "God damn it! I shoot movies there. Why was this movie there?" She, yeah, she probably liked it. I actually oh, I love to Kelly talk Reichardt. to Kelly Reichardt about this movie. Yeah, I'd love to know. Be like, "Hey, what do you feel about this guy moving out on your territory? You want to go kick his ass with me?" And she's like, "I really well, like that movie." The reason it's in Portland is because Portland. And this is true. It's like the one of the culinary hubs of America, like of America. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. It's like a big deal up here, uh, you know. And guess what? The, the, the food, the food is pretty good. It can be. I wouldn't be surprised. What do you give Pig? Ah, I think I give this four, burgeoning on like four and a half. I'm, I'm giving this four and a half. I really, I really enjoyed really enjoyed it's really really good it's really really good so it's like sneakily good too it just kind of like rolls up on you how good it is it does but it's also like it's not it's not even it's not even i mean it is but like god i'm trying to figure out how to put this it's good in that way where like you also don't feel like you got tricked into liking it too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it gets better the more you think about it yeah, yeah, that is really what it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess that leaves us just to ask, um, what are we doing next week? Uh, that's a good question, Ben. I'm very tired. What are we doing next week? We're doing the nines. Oh, we're doing the we're doing the nines. Oh no! <laughs> oh fuck! I just realized what that means. Oh no! Oh God! Ah, oh, it's easy. the The next ten is fine. It's very easy. You've seen all those. I, I, no, I haven't. Oh uh, well, maybe you should watch all of them. I should watch a lot of them. Yeah. You have, you have, you have two weeks. I mean, like, also, I'll be out of town next week, so you got like three weeks. Okay. Whew. Yeah. It'll be good. Whew. And I think for the nines next week, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling westerns, but I'm feeling like untraditional westerns and boy nothing says untraditional like the first movie that caught mark's attention when he was living with me all those months ago and he walked by and he goes what the hell is this and i go oh 
This is a movie from uh, 2010 by Kelly Reichardt. It's called Meek's Cutoff. And he's like, boy, these people are just trudging. And I'm like, yeah, that's what this whole movie is. It's just trudging. They, yeah, they, they, be, they be trudging. They be trudging. They hating. <laughs> they catching me trudging dirty. <laughs> Gonna try to catch me trudging dirty. Oh, dear Meek's Cutoff. Please put this song at the end of your movie. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Sincerely, definitely, people like definitely won't undercut the tone of this movie. Oh, that movie is bleak. And then I decided, since we're not going to go out on such a super bleak note, we would take a trip uh, a little forward in time to one of Tyler's most underrated movies of a filmmaker, and that is, of course, the 2015 film by Quentin Tarantino, The Hateful Eight. I would still strongly put Hateful Eight probably in my top three or four of Quentin Tarantino. And I'm going to make a little addendum here. Um, we're watching the extended version. Oh, we're watching the extended version. Why are you doing this to me? Because, you know, that's a really well-made version of it, and I want to talk about it. Uh, okay. All right. It's on, it's on Netflix, ladies and Fine. gentlemen. Fine. Yeah. And for next week, guys, you can catch Meek's Cutoff from 2010 and 2015's The Hateful Eight. And you can always follow us, of course, at TWGTFPod on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic or Movie Loving Lucha on Twitter or on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Tyler, is anywhere they can follow you? They can follow me uh, leaving Red Rock West, and then they can follow me turning around and uh, welcoming to be being welcomed to Red Rock West. What a fucking terrible name! Why is it so hard to say for me? I, because that name, that name is t- it's because it, it doesn't it should be red because it's two r's and a w you it should you would think in your mind it should be three r's like it should mm-hmm. be like red rock ridge or something i think it's also just because i've also taken a lot of like japanese and so my my but saying it a lot in class and so i think i don't know i'm just i'm just so used to r not r sounds that's fair w sounds i don't know and and for I edit T- that out, please edit edit all of this out. Edit this whole podcast out. And for TWGTF and that little mental breakdown by Tyler, I've of course been your host Ben, and I'm Lyle. <laughs> and remember, guys, if you come to our little video box around the way, and you see uh, a guy there, and he looks like he's looking for a job, we'll we'll give him a job. Just you know, make sure you tell him what the specifics of the job are first. You should use stale bread for the French toast. Talking, talking, talking.